This is where there's more family congregated in one place for us than anywhere else. And you guys are the foundation uh, that we lean on a lot, whether it be through encouragement, financial support, mental support, uh, but we just cherish those moments. So I wanted to, to start out with that and just make it clear um, just how much we appreciate all of you. Um, I wanted to jump in because some of you may not even know who we are. Um, I'm Mark Ottinger, my wife Jill, um, and my family. I got three kids, Jocelyn, Autumn, and Gabe. I had to think about their names for a moment. I'm just kidding. Um, but what we do, we are located in Bostick, North Carolina. That's about an hour and 20 minutes east of Asheville, about an hour and 20 minutes west of Charlotte. So we're dead, about dead in the center, um, give or take a couple minutes. I could be wrong. Um, my role at the camp is the maintenance manager. Uh, if it's broke, I fix it. And if it's not broke, sometimes I still fix it. Um, but that's my role there. Um, you might see me running a lawnmower, you might see me uh, fixing a doorknob, you might see me uh, putting siding on a building. Uh, it, it all depends on what needs to be done. Oftentimes that's led by God as to what we need to do, um, and you'll see that as we move forward here uh, and what I'm going to speak about and share about. Um, the Gabe, and, uh, Gabe and the girls, um, they volunteer in different ways in the dining hall. Jill joins in as well. Uh, whether it be helping make the food or serve the food. Jocelyn takes great joy in making dessert. She's our, uh, our amazing uh, baker within our household. Um, but they just take great joy in doing it. Uh, matter of fact, they even help raise support to uh, sponsor a kid, and you'll see that uh, later on in, in the slides here. Um, our programs, uh, we, we have youth camp throughout the summer. Uh, it's 100 kids a week. We do six weeks. That's 600 kids. So there's some math for you. Uh, this last year, because of our uh, guidelines and stipulations, we could only have 60 kids a week. Um, but the excitement is, in those six weeks, we had 64 kids get baptized and make a decision for Christ. Um, so that's exciting. Over a week's worth of kids uh, made a decision in that way. Um, other programs we have, we have a uh, so throughout the off-season, we would have retreats, youth retreats, men's retreats uh, that come and use our facility. Um, we have a SEEDS program, which is a nature program that uh, the schools come to our camp, and we have the opportunity to show them around and, and uh, kind of get muddy in the creek and learn things about salamanders or plants, and, um, which is amazing. We have an amazing program director, by the way. Uh, pumpkin patch is something we do. We get pumpkins in. Uh, we actually have kindergartners come. We do a hayride with them. They get to learn about how pumpkins grow. We get to open them up and look at the seeds. Uh, they get to carve a pumpkin, take a pumpkin home. Uh, we also sell those pumpkins. Uh, we sell those as a fundraiser, once again, to help bring kids to camp and sponsor, uh, give them scholarships to get to camp. Um, I wanted to share different ways of how we get kids there because our motto is we're the camp that every kid can afford. If a child can't afford it, we sponsor them or we get them a scholarship there. Um, most of the kids that come to our camp, a high majority, come from a, a, a poor uh, living situation, uh, a low income living situation, or uh, I can't tell you how many times kids come and their parents are under the influence of, of uh, substances. Um, so we give them a place to have some hope, a place to step away from the chaos 
and a place to have some joy and be loved. Um, so our, our theme this year has been posted up on the Facebook. I don't know if any of you follow South Mountain Christian Camp, but our theme this year is Wanted. Um, and it's a Western theme that God wants you. Um, and so we're going to be instilling into these kids that, that they're a wanted child. Um, so I wanted to share uh, some bits and pieces of, of the camp itself. And uh, as we dig in farther here, you're going to be able to see more of what we do. But let's go to the next slide if we could. So here on the left, you'll see Jocelyn and Autumn decided they're going to sell iced tea and lemonade. We have a disc golf course that we have professional disc golfers come and throw. And let me tell you, if I threw a disc, I might make it to the second tier of parking from here. Some of these guys can throw a disc and probably hit your house. Um, and it's amazing how, how well they do. But the great part is, is, is uh, hole number 10 goes right in front of our house. And sometimes the discs end up in our yard and our little cocker spaniel keeps them out, you know, keeps them at bay. You never know. They might be bad people, right? No. But uh, Jill or uh, Jocelyn and Autumn uh, decided they were going to sell lemonade and tea to these fellows. And they were going to raise money to sponsor a camper. And they raised the full amount this year for a camper. And last year they raised... Uh, the first summer we were there, they raised 50% of it, and the uh, executive director put it up, and within a couple minutes, somebody else sponsored the remaining part. So even our children have a desire and a heart for this ministry of what we're doing. It's not just me there fixing and building stuff. We're all diving in on this. Um, so let me just make sure I'm on step here. <laughs> so the second one there, you'll see that's Autumn. And she's using my impact gun, and we're putting lug nuts on a barrel train. And it's a two-barrel barrel train. Um, I've seen it already where you take a plastic barrel, cut it out, and put wheels under it. But this is something that we purchased uh, where everything's molded and made. And, um, and they came as a kit. And I have Jocelyn, or uh, Autumn and Gabe helping me there. And Autumn is putting the, uh, driving the lug nuts in. I put a torque bar on there so she can't overdo it. And Gabe is my pit crew. You can see he even put my headphones on. Um, which are earmuffs as well, and he lifted that tire on there. He's all proud of himself. So um, to be able to have them come to my shop and work with me is such a great pleasure. Um, it can also be a divine appointment, uh, the opportunity to be able to share with my kids and be able to instill with them that sometimes you, you hurt your finger, but it's because we have 10 kids now that can ride in another activity that we're doing. So, um, so we'll jump to the next slide here. Um, <clears throat> Some of you may be able to relate to this one. Uh, I'm underneath, we have a 15 foot finish mower. Uh, when I showed up, there were four zero turns. Uh, the zero turns are 72 inches wide and the, we have 67, 69 mowable acres. Now I have one rear end. I can only sit on one zero turn at a time. Now if I had Pastor Doug down there, I'd take care of one of the mowers for me. But if I mowed with a zero turn, I would take all week to mow it and turn around and start where I started at the beginning of the week and start all over again. Um, God had put together us to be able to get a tractor, to be able to get this mower, and I can mow the entire property now in nine hours straight. Um, what happened here is you'll see on the far left, the, there's a bracket, and that bracket got bent. It was half an inch thick. It kind of dumbfounded me that it even bent. Um, but uh, that's the piece that needed to be repaired. I got underneath, I'm welding. Jill showed up in the shop. She's the one that took that picture of me, but uh, welding a pin back on. 
And on the right is the finished product. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I'm not the guy that completed that on my own. Uh, there was a man, uh, Jordan Knapper's his name. Uh, he just opened a business called Exodus Fabrications, and he graced the threshold of that shop at the opportune time, and I put the MIG welder in his hand, and he's the one that welded the, the support bracket on the top there, and it's solid and hasn't moved at all now. Um, so now I have a, a dependable piece of equipment. That's the kind of repairs I'm doing, uh, for instance, on the mower. And the next slide I'll show you, uh, you see the tracks off the skid steer. Now, the, there's a story behind that skid steer. Um, we had a man, a gentleman, donate $15,000 towards that skid steer. Now, we were given the impossible. Uh, the board said, you need to get a skid steer that's less than four years old. You need to get a skid steer that has less than 2,000 hours. And it has to be a skid steer that has AC and heat in it. And tracked. That's impossible. If I went and bought this machine at a lot, you're probably talking thirty-five dollars to $40,000. Okay, I'm just throwing it out there. And if, if, if you disagree with me, that's fine. Jeff, you might know what equipment costs, right? So it's probably about right. Uh, but we were given the impossible, and we were given a $25,000 limit. I got this machine in at $24,000 with 1,300 hours at our door. Um, so God provided that. Here I'm just putting a roller on it. The front uh, idler roller uh, needed to be replaced, so I pulled the track off uh, and replaced it. I was kind of more scared of it because I never did it before, but it took me an hour and had it off and back on again. But uh, what an asset to the camp that's been. That's the kind of repairs that you'll see in the shop. Uh, the next one over is our gator. We have a, oh, not next slide, next picture, <laughs> sorry. So the picture to the right is the, the John Deere gator that we have. It was on the property when I showed up. The tires were not all that great. Our program guy took it in doing some trail work and uh, one of the tires got shredded. And um, as I started addressing the other tires, they were inside, they were kind of shredded. So I put tires on, and that's what you're seeing there. Down in the front, you see the new tires sitting there, and, and uh, I took that picture right before I was ready to take it. I actually have before and afters, so you can see what I did, but uh, God provided those tires, by the way. Um, we were kind of looking at, man, this is gonna be an expensive thing, and well, with, with God, he's got the purse strings, so it's not expensive, it's, it's on God's terms. Um, so let's, let's jump to the next one. So here's uh, some of the repairs I've done on buildings. This was just, and these are recent, by the way. These are, I've done so much more, <laughs> or God's had me do so much more, but uh, these are just recent ones. Matter of fact, uh, this would have been two weeks ago. Uh, <clears throat> as the camp was built, a man donated OSB, and every building has OSB that is 40 years old. So you can only imagine the deterioration that happens if you can't keep paint on it all the time. And uh, so what I did is I took out all the bad sheeting, we put new sheeting on. Uh, and the next step to this is gonna be siding and we're doing batten board siding. We're actually using wood literally from the property. Um, but we're gonna do batten board on there. And this is only a piece of the building. The building's uh, sub pretty substantial in size, but uh, we wanted to repair it. And uh, so that was something I did. I had a volunteer help me with it. Uh, we put new insulation in where the insulation had gotten wet. Um, and the amazing part of all this is we are gonna have it sided, resheated, and re-insulated where it's been bad, and it's only gonna be $200 out of the camp's pocket. So, um, and as I move forward here, you'll see what I'm talking about, how God's fingers 
his prints are all over this and it's all divine appointment. Um, so let's step to the next picture. So here's another project, and this is the project I'm going to hang on for a little while. You're probably, you might get tired of seeing the bridge. But this bridge is a bridge we built. Autumn's standing on there. Ta-da! It's all done, right? Uh, but we had uh, built that bridge, and that bridge from start to finish was a divine appointment. That was God working through a whole lot more than just me. So I want to make a disclaimer. I'm going to share... A lot of things that has been done, a lot of things where I'm saying I did, I want to make this clear. I didn't do it. God's using me as the tool. If I'm going to brag about anything or boast about anything, it's going to be about Christ. And everything you see that I'm showing you, even though I was in it, it was not me. Without God, none of this would have happened. Okay? This is only one of many projects. Uh, just in Sunday school, uh, Pastor Doug pulled out some other things, and, and I could go on and on and on about different things where God has interceded and has, has had divine appointments for us here at this camp. So uh, let me see here. So this is our segue in. So we're going to jump into the next slide here. And if you do one more click, the verse comes up. There you go. <clears throat> um, so this is about Mary and Martha, all right? And I'm going to read it but I'm going to have to turn, okay? So, um, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. How many times have we said, I'm doing it by myself, right? I'm on my own, okay? We can go to the next slide here. And, yep, right there. Okay. Um, this is the bridge started. This is a Granberg mill. You hook it to your chainsaw, you lay out a, a log, you put straight rails on, you cut your top piece off, and from there you can cut whatever width you need. This is a red oak that he's cutting through. This is Mike, this is our program director. Once in a while he comes and helps me out. It took us all day to cut maybe a third of what we needed for this bridge, maybe a quarter. Until you get to the end of the plank, you have to fill up with gas and oil all over again because you run out. And sometimes we'd run out before we get to the end of the board. By the end of the day, I was sweated. I was hot. I had sawdust in places. I didn't want sawdust. And I was sore. And I felt on my own. What did Martha say? She's making me do all the work by myself. So this is where the divine appointments are going to start rolling in. And I wanted to share this with you guys because this is how a normal project works for me at the camp. Okay? It's not about me. It's that God's using me as the tool to make it happen. Maybe I'm the one connecting the dots. I don't know. But it's not me. So let's go to the next slide. So after a day's worth of cutting, 
lumber. By the way, we still had the live edge on there. I still would have had to straighten the boards to lay them on the bridge. Um, still would have cut them to length. I still had a lot of work to do just on the few boards that we did get cut. But OA, our founder, 87 years old, he says, hey, there's enough mills around here. Why don't we just take the boards to the mill and let them cut it? God will work this one out. So I loaded up five big logs onto our dump trailer and I went over to a mill. And the man that owned the mill, his name is Chris. And I had the opportunity to share with him about the camp, shared with him what we were doing, what we were doing, why we were doing it, how we were doing it. And instead of it costing 50 cents a board foot, it was more like 20 cents a board foot because he wanted to help, but he had to cover cost. So I dropped those boards off that night and at that mill, um, OA had turned to me, mind you, excuse me, he's 87 years old, and he knows a lot more people than I know. He said, there's another sawmill I want to go check out. Maybe they even have wood chips that we could get for the camp. So um, we drove over to this other wood mill, and all they do is cut railroad ties and landscape um, surveyor stakes. That's what they do. That's all he does. The guy, the owner, his name is Mike. He's about the same age as me. Now we stopped there so we could ask about his mill and so we could ask about wood chips. Well, Mike came out and he started sharing about their operation and telling us about what, what he does, what the mill does. You could tell he was bothered. You could tell he was down and out, something going on. And then he shared that his fiance had been on a payloader that he pointed at. And he said that payloader killed, she had an accident and she was killed on this payloader 50 yards away and pointed at it. He's working near where this is going on five months ago, he says. Right away for me, it clicked. I'm not here for wood chips. God has me here for Mike. And OA and I together started interacting with him and sharing with him and comforting him. And we prayed for him. And as, I, as we left, OA said, it is amazing how God works. That he would put two people together like OA and I who experienced lots of death and loss in our lives. To have the opportunity to share with a man but simultaneously realize that a divine appointment has just happened that we didn't need to ask about wood chips. We needed to be there comforting and encouraging a fellow brother in Christ. He went on to share how God's been just kind of like Jonah. <clears throat> he wanted to do his own thing. That's what Mike wanted to do. And Mike finally came to the point, literally the night before or two nights before, and said, God, this business is yours. I'm not doing it anymore. It's yours. It's too much headache. It's too much struggle. I can't run this myself. It's yours. So here we are. We show up and we encourage him in that. And I'm not saying that I'm the guy that changes this guy's mind in any way. I'm just saying that God used us and we saw it. And I encouraged him and OA encouraged him. Hey, come on over to the camp. Check out the camp. We want to bless you. We want you to have a place to go and be still and know God. We want you to be able to go to our lookout. We want you to be able to go on the hikes. We want you to be able to have a quiet time down next to the creek. And so I invited him that Saturday 
to come. I said, come on over on Saturday, and, and I'd love to interact with you, Mike. This would be great. I'd love to show you what we're doing. Now, we have all this lumber sitting in the back of our trailer while I'm talking to him. OA and I get into the truck, and we drive home. And we're sharing about this, that God is just, wow, isn't that cool? And to recognize a divine appointment, that's key number one. you got to recognize that that's happening. Um, as we drove home and as we're approaching the, the camp, um, yeah, i got to make sure i got my papers in order here. Um, yeah, there we are. Um, as we made our way home, I thought to myself, man, it'd be nice if Dan showed up. Now, this is a man that showed up spontaneously. One day he's here, the next day he's not. Usually I got a phone call. Actually, most times I got phone calls. And it would be, hey, you got a place I could stay for the night? And he would crash anywhere. He didn't care. He'd set up a tent if he, wanted, if he needed to. I want to give you a background on, on Dan, another divine appointment. And then we'll come back to this divine appointment. Dan came to the camp probably a year ago, and he had an air compressor on the back of his truck. And he showed up on a Saturday, and I'm going to make this disclaimer, Saturday's my day off. Okay, so he's already causing problems. But anyway, divine appointment. As that truck went by my house, after the director called me and said, hey, let's go down to the shop. We got somebody here with a piece of equipment they want to donate. As the truck went by, it went through my brain. That's a nice truck. I'm going to pick on him and see if he wants to donate that truck. Okay? Now, I meet him down there. I, I drove the Gator down, and I met down there. And I get to talking to him. And what it is, he's a semi-retired trim carpenter. And he's working on just kind of liquidating stuff and getting it out of the way. Now, I got to know him, and I'm talking to him. And the whole time, I'm thinking in my brain, I got to ask him that just to, just to rough him up. And I kept saying, no, 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 I'm fighting myself. See, my sarcasm, I think God was getting ready to use it. And um, finally, after about three hours, he was there sharing about what God was doing in his life and what was happening. I finally said, you know, Dan, now that I've got to know you for a little while, I know you won't get offended. I was going to tease you, and I was going to say, what are you going to donate, the air compressor or the truck? And he goes, his eyes got real big. He says, you got to be kidding me. He says, I feel God wants me to donate this truck, and I have the title sitting in my dash. I was just waiting for somebody to say something. So there's a Toyota Tacoma sitting on the property now. He shows up. He's there Saturday. I've interacted with him anywhere from, I'm going to say it was 8 o'clock till it was about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon when he finally headed home. He was going to leave the truck and walk home. He lives in Charleston, South Carolina, four and a half to five hours away from camp. He was ready to walk. I said, listen, just keep the truck. If God wants you to donate it, he's just going to eat your heart alive. I mean, that's just the way it is. It's just going to drive you nuts. Monday, I get a phone call. He took it to a dealership. He says, I want you guys to look at anything that's wrong with this thing. And he calls me and he says, Mark, the carrier bearing needs to be replaced. Says, Don't worry about it. That'll be fine. I'll fix it. So... Wednesday comes and Dan shows up and on the back of an excursion on a trailer he has this Toyota Tacoma he says where do you want it and I said I'll park it over there and we get it all unloaded and he showed up it was dark out and um, 
I was excited to see them. It's exciting when you get a truck donated, right? So he turns to me and says, all right, we need to go down to the shop because I think I have, some, I have some stuff here I think you might want down at the shop. He took that excursion and he laid out all the seats all the way up to the driver's seats and filled it to the ceiling with equipment he had. We have a brand new table saw, a DeWalt portable brand new table saw, with a brand new 12 inch sliding miter box, brand new uh, Makita cordless drill, some of which was used only a few times, but mostly pretty well brand new. So he used a divine appointment and he equipped our camp with tools that the camp needed. That's where Dan comes from. Let me show you the next slide. There's Dan standing next to those I-beams. When I brought that lumber home, as we were almost at the camp, I turned to OA and also thought to myself, boy, it'd be nice if Dan showed up. He's a guy I could really use to help build this bridge. And as I pulled into the camp and then turned into the maintenance area, sitting on the tailgate of his truck, there's Dan swinging his feet. And as I showed up, he says, oh, we got timber. What are we building? Is that a divine appointment or what? I didn't ask for him to come. I didn't call him to come. He didn't tell me he was coming. I had no anticipation of it. But there he is. Let me go another step. You see the I-beams laying across there. About three weeks prior, maybe a month prior to this picture, I had somebody from the men's group that I go to called The Forge <clears throat> say, hey, you guys need some I-beams for stuff. I'm sure you'll use them. I got 14 of them here for you. Take them. And it's what the guy deals in. He deals with, it's I-beams from the back of a guardrail. So I had welded them together. And uh, there's actually five chunks of I-beam welded together there and webbed. Um, but in that, I had opportunity to teach my summer worker, Caleb, a college student, how to weld. And in that, I had opportunity to show our program guy how to weld. And guess what? I didn't weld those I-beams. They welded those I-beams. I just showed them how to do it. So here Dan shows up. And within two days, we had the bridge built. Let's go to the next slide. There's the bridge. Okay, in two days. So on Wednesday, I picked up the wood. Thursday and Friday, we finished that bridge. The stain you see on there, believe it or not, is used motor oil. And it works amazing because the carpenter bees don't eat it, and it's cheap. The cost on that bridge is $157. That's what we paid the mill. On Monday of the next week, I took that skid steer that you saw at 9,500 pounds and carried an outhouse that was five foot by five foot, plenty tall for a outhouse and a changing room, I took that across that bridge, and we took it to another area where we do our creation encounter. This bridge now allows us to get to an area on camp that I couldn't access unless I walked to it. I couldn't take a, a golf cart to it. I couldn't take the gator to it. I couldn't take a tractor to it. I couldn't take the skid steer to it. This bridge now does that, all for a whopping $157. <clears throat> so now I'm going to go another step farther. <laughs> it, the divine appointment does not end here. Saturday, remember Mike, the guy I met at the, at the mill? He shows up. And I take him around, and I'm showing him areas of the camp. I didn't take him to the bridge. I took him to the climbing tower. 
I took him to our overlook, places where he could get a moment to be still and know God. Finally, I took him down here and I showed him. And if, as this faces you, we're, I'm going to put a bench where you can actually hear the water running under the bridge. And it's really a big open area in the woods that you can be alone. And he said, this is where I'd want to sit. Two weeks later, I get a phone call from him and he says, Mark, I have a person that buys these wood chips, but they don't have a trailer here. And I got to get these wood chips out. And he says, um, I'd like to donate them to the camp in my fiance's memory. And he said, I'd like you to put them under that climbing tower and I'd like you to get them on the trails and I'd like you to get them under the benches and I'd like you to get them under the, the playground. And when I go out there and see those chips, I can think, wow, she had part in this. I, says, I said to Mike, I said, well, should I start hauling him over? Now, we have a dump trailer. It's five by ten. Should I start hauling him over? He says, no, I got it. So let's go to the next picture. Now, that's our skid steer parked on top of a pile of wood chips. And by the way, that's only half of the wood chips we got that day. We have a mountain of wood chips that the footprint would cover probably half the sanctuary here. And it's as high as I can lift the loader bucket. I wish I got that picture. Gabe calls it the chip mountain. It's a volcano because it steams. And I told him if it was to blow, it would blow chips. But this is that divine appointment after divine appointment after divine appointment. And I'm going to tell you another part about these wood chips. Asplund or Asplund or Aspen, however you say them, the orange truck that goes around cuts all the trees around the power lines. Okay. We have them cutting around our power lines often. And probably a month and a half ago, I approached them several times. Hey, could you guys dump chips? I mean, I got an area in the field. Just dump them. You don't even need to back up. Just dump them. And they wouldn't. And literally, the neighbor, I mean, almost in sight from where we're at, has probably 15 of these loads. And every time I'd pass that and I'd see another load, I'd get frustrated. A little vein would pop out of my neck. you got to be kidding me. Give me some. Come on. We need them more than this guy does, you know. And um, the thing of it is, if I had those wood chips, I'd have leaves in it, and I'd have pine needles in it, and I might have poison ivy in it. These are clean wood chips, oak, all oak. And so when God does it, he does it right. When God does it, he does it perfect. The question is, do we have the ability to recognize a divine appointment? Do we have the ability to recognize that God is at work in the midst of all this? So whether I need to get from point A to B, I'm mowing the lawn and I want to get the whole lawn done, but somebody comes and pulls me off the mower, am I frustrated, aggravated, upset? Or do I have the opportunity, or do I take the opportunity to stop and use what could be a divine appointment? Um, not only was the bridge built, not only did we get a blessing from Mike and wood chips, but in addition, because of the work going on, a friend of the camp, his name's Bob, I'll use that name, knew that we needed siding for that pool that I shared with you. We have a trailer that is a 7,000 pound capacity trailer and I overloaded that twice with one buys that he cut for us to put the siding on that. That pool will be fully sided 
and fully sheeted and re-insulated for a mere $200. Because once again, God's providing. It's not me, it's not, it's not me trying to say, hey, please, 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 I need. It's no God pulling the heartstrings of the people to say there's a need. Um, I'm gonna go one more step because this ball is still rolling from the bridge. By the way, the bridge started back in October, okay? A week ago, I was at a place and shared with somebody personally about all this stuff going on. Literally what happened is, hey, what are you guys up to? What are you doing? What are you working on? And I shared about some of the stuff. And the siding that's going on the pool is the same siding we wanna use on all our cabins. We have 10 cabins. We have five cabins on the boys' hill and five cabins on the girls' hill, and we wanna put batten board siding up. And I'm sharing all these different projects we wanna do with that same material. Two days later, I get a phone call. Hey, we got to thinking and we wanted to do a year-end giving and you know, I own a mill and it costs $6,000. So we're sending a $6,000 check to the camp. Wow, let me go another step farther. See, it never stops there. I just wanna say that. I turned to him and I said, listen. I said, when God puts monies and hands us monies, it's not always the dollar for dollar. God's going to inflate this. Okay, so don't be surprised if we end up with a $12,000 mill. I just want to share that with you. So I called OA and told him about it. I was excited. I'm about jumping out of my skin because we have all kinds of trees to cut. I just got to haul them somewhere now to go get them cut. I said something to OA, he shared it on Facebook. We got a lot of people interested in this. It's something that can be given to. It's something that other people can step onto. But the statement from the donor was, this isn't something that'll just do the siding on a cabin. This is something that you can build a shed with. This is something you can frame out a room somewhere. This is something where you can do trim work in the new building, where you can wrap the beams, where you can put oak trim, oak, not pine, oak trim throughout the entire building with little to no cost at all. See, this is, this is the divine appointments that I see all the time that God's putting out there. And they're a blessing to us. And my hope is that I'm the blessing to them. But the blessing that, that he will see is as we build stuff and we show him what we've done with that piece of equipment, he'll see the blessing that that machine is and it'll bless him too. Um, so let's go, I'm gonna jump into the next one here. Uh, slide 11. Oh, nope. Yeah, it would be slide 10, I'm sorry. I'm getting myself confused. So Colossians 4, 5, and 6, I'm sorry, I didn't have that on this note. I have it on this note. I have two sets of notes. Um, I'm gonna read this out loud. Be wise in the way that you act towards outsiders. Make the most, let me emphasize that, make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. When Mike said, hey, my heart's broken, we could have said, tough luck. When Dan came and said, I'm trying to retire, so? That could have been my response. Divine appointments are all around us all the time. And so often we miss them just by not responding correctly. 
Let me go to the next slide. There's your question. Why don't we always respond to a divine appointment? Because every, I don't care who you are, you know of some time in your life where God has wanted you to do something and you did not respond. I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but we've all done it, okay? What's the excuse? Let's hit the next one. We got time was one of them. Takes too much time. It's, uh, it's inconvenient. Um, let's go to the next one. Distracting. It's a distraction. It's keeping me from doing what I got to do. Let's go to the next one. Selfishness. I don't want to do it. Let's hit the next one. Vulnerability. If I have to open up to this person, it makes me transparent. Therefore, I'm vulnerable and they can scrutinize me. If I lay out my thoughts, if I lay out my heart, if, okay, now I'm vulnerable. If I have to share something I struggled with, it makes me less holy, right? Okay, let's go to the next one. This is the number one reason that we don't jump up and take advantage of a divine appointment is fear. We are afraid of the reactions. We're afraid of, am I going to offend this person if I share Jesus Christ? Am I going to offend somebody if I ask for help? Am I going to offend somebody if I offer help? Okay, let me share this. Next statement. If you didn't take any notes, this is the one to take. Fear is a currency that has no, no spiritual value at all. God did not create us to have a spirit of timidity, but of power. Keep, shout it. <laughs> yep. A spirit of power. Love. How often do we not extend in love? Because time, selfishness, fear. I want to share with you. I'm not perfect. I never have been perfect. I never will be perfect. If I was perfect, I would have never gone through a church because then it would have been unperfect, right? Okay. That's all I had to say on that. But let me share with you where I failed. I used to haul propane for Clark's gas services. And I was sitting on the porch with a coworker of a house that we were remodeling for the boss. And I just came out of Lancaster Bible College. I had theology classes. I knew my Bible. We, I had early and late Old Testament. I had hermeneutics, all right? I knew my stuff. And the coworker also came from Lancaster Bible College and also went to be a pastor. And he had more schooling than I had. And while we sat there eating lunch, there were two guys in white shirts. Anybody know who they were? We had two Mormons coming down, and they said, hey, could we talk to you? And we shut them down. We said no. The moment they left, we had instant, and I mean instant, regret. Because we were equipped. We were truly ready. And we didn't take the opportunity. See, it's not about us hammering them on the head about this is what, what it's about. It's about planting a seed, even if I didn't lead them to Christ. It's about sharing my testimony, who I am, and why I believe it. Um, 
I failed. Let me share another failure that I've had. And these are on slide 11. We can go to the next slide. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll just stick with my slide here. Sorry. <laughs> um, I went to church one day with Jill and the family. And on our way home, we stopped at the gas station. And I'm assuming that we all decided we needed some ice cream, but maybe it was milk. I don't know. But Jill went into the store. And I sat out in the van, and an elderly gentleman came out. I'd maybe make him old enough to be my dad. Um, he had a walker, and he had a beautiful truck. And the truck was lifted, which made it even harder. And he was struggling to get it folded up and get the door open and maintain his balance while he's putting it, getting ready to put it in. And I jumped out of the car. I burst out of the car. I said, oh, let me help you out. Oh, no, 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 really, let me help you. And I put it in the back. Just put it in the back. All right. I put it in the back of the truck. And I went back to my car. Never thought nothing of it. Well, he proceeded to try and get in the truck. And he's hanging onto a door handle. And he's hanging onto the door side over here. And, and he's gotten up onto the, the truck rail. And, and he's just about falling off. And I jump out of the car again. And I, and I get over. I, Can I help you? No, no, no. I'm okay. I'm like, you're not okay. Let me help you. Can, I said, Can I place my hands on you? Now, since last you saw me, I did get rounder, and I did get more gray hair, I'm sure. But this man was bigger than I was. But he said, yeah, no problem. I said, I'm just going to help you a little. And I literally, I don't know how it happened, but I picked him up and put him in that seat. Okay, divine appointment does not stop, but it started there. And he says to me, what's your name? I said, my name's Mark. Oh, that's great. Now, that was my opportunity that I could have shared with him who I am. I was just at church, where I came from. Hey, can I come to your house and help you unload your stuff? But I didn't. I turned around and got back in my car, and he started to pull out. In that time, Jill starts getting in the van. And I start to pull out, and I said, Jill, I really feel God wants me to follow him home, to help him out. And Jill said, well, if that's what God wants you to do, do it. And I struggled with it for about two miles. And she says, yeah, just, just follow him. And there comes a Y in the road. Whoop, I did it again. There comes a Y in the road. And I can go right to camp or I can go left and follow him. If I go straight, go somewhere totally different. But there's a Y. It's like a fork. I went right. Jill says, what are you doing? Immediately, there's a church, Salem Church, which we live on Salem Church Road. And I turned around quick in that parking lot, and I went down the road to get to him to see if I could catch up, and I, I never found him. And it hit me so hard, and I still struggle with it, because I've never seen the man again. But I failed. God was calling me to follow that man to help him get out of his vehicle again and get his groceries, because all he had was milk and bread. He was just getting basics. But he couldn't function enough to even get out of his vehicle. And at that point, I could have maybe said, hey, next time you need milk and bread, how about I come and pick you up? Or better yet, how about I go get it and bring it to you? See, I missed an opportunity. Now, does that mean my ministry's over? No. It just means pay attention. Because it might happen again. Okay? There might be a divine opportunity a divine appointment that you have the opportunity to share Christ through either my actions, my words, 
or just by caring. It was once said, preach the word of God and when necessary, use words. I can't remember who said that, but it's a good one. <laughs> so let me jump into this slide here. So that statement being responding Jesus style. Okay, and when I say Jesus style, I mean doing it right. Okay, the woman at the well, prime example. There's a woman, she's at the well at a time of the day she shouldn't even be there. She's a Samaritan woman. She's speaking to a Jewish man. Okay, she's had five husbands, and the one that she's with, she's not even married to. She's got sin all over her, but did that stop Jesus? No. Jesus took the time to interact with her, and he instilled in her, first, forgiveness. Because your past doesn't matter to me, and who you are doesn't matter. It's your heart that matters to me. That's what he did. And then he instilled hope. Because she says in the scripture, that living water that never go thirsty, I need some of that. <coughs> but he gave her hope, a hope of a future. Okay, a hope of heaven. We'll go to the next one there. We got the man born blind. Once again, the low man on the totem pole, the guy that nobody in society wants. Why? Because he's not educated. He smells. He's unshaven. His clothes don't even fit him right. His sandals are falling off. But Jesus went to him, healed him, and the man never saw Jesus. Never saw him face to face. And in chapter 9 of John, he stands in front of the Pharisees and says, I don't know who he is. But he's got to be a man of God because he did right. He did good. He healed me. That's what I know. And therefore, I'm a follower. Okay? Zacchaeus, a tax collector. Nobody want to be around tax collector. Right? What did Jesus do? He walked up to the tree and he says, come on down. I'm going to go eat at your house. Wait a minute. What about these guys over here? They're nice people. They keep their clothes nice and clean. They're upstanding. They read their Bible once in a while, right? Why don't you go to their house? No, I want to go to this guy's house because I want to go where the mess is because that's what needs to be cleaned up. Let me share another one. The thief on the cross. Instead of Jesus saying, listen, you screwed up. You deserve to be on this cross. You deserve to die. You deserve to bleed. And I'm here and I don't, I don't deserve to bleed. But instead, he extended it and he said, surely today I will see you in paradise. Right? I want to share another little quote to you that I think hammers at home. We have divine appointments every day. It's just whether you want to recognize it or not. Big or small. The small ones, believe it or not, are big. And it can snowball. It can keep bouncing down the road and, and a stone that God keeps kicking down the road and keeps showing you his hand, keeps showing you him at work. We just got to be willing to open our eyes and recognize him. I'm just going to lay it out there. And I see it at the camp. I shared with you one project of how I see God's hand at work. I've been there almost three years now. Let me tell you, it's continual how God has put together the details I don't need to worry about the details. God's got it. OA will tell you. If God wants it built, it happens. You just go along for the ride. Hang on. Um, I'm going to share this quote with you that I came across. And first, I want to state it this way. If someone came through those doors right now, that their pants were half torn apart, they were unbathed, they stank, they were unshaven, 
their house was on their back, would you, with open arms, open your arms and say, welcome, welcome, come be a brother? Or would you put your arm up and say, please go get a shower first? I'm going to share this. I'd rather, this is a quote I came across. This hit me pretty good. I'd rather attend church with messed up people who love God than religious people who dislike messed up people. See, we have opportunity to love. See, you got to look at it this way. Jesus loves that man coming through that door. Jesus loves him. And I'm obligated to love him because, because I love Christ. I'm an heir. And he, is, he can be an heir too. So let's embrace that. So instead of a New Year's resolution, which I think can be good sometimes, I'd like to hear a year from now about divine appointments that have been recognized where God has used you as the tool, as the bridge for someone to meet him, for someone to see him, for someone to accept him as their personal savior. That's what I want to hear because we, we don't recognize it and it's happening all around us all the time. So with that all said, I want to share one more good response where I've done it well. You didn't hear this story yet. See, this is all new for you now. This is what makes it worth it for you to sit the second service. We have a man that showed up at our camp. His name's BJ. BJ has a problem with methamphetamines. BJ is a man that you can't reason with. Um, was it Esau? God said was an ass of a man. That's kind of how I would place him is the same way. You just couldn't talk to him. And I, I don't mean to sound cursing up here or anything, but that's what was, that's in scripture. I'm going to say it. That's okay. But <laughs> this said, I had to take him to court to actually uh, take care of trespassing. This ate me alive because we're a camp designed to bring people in and be welcoming. My prayer is, God, give me the ability to make this camp safe, but welcoming and warm. That's a hard compromise to hit. That's a hard line to hit. BJ uh, ended up doing some time for actually uh, a robbery that he was a part of. Before the pumpkin patch in October, uh, as the pumpkin patch was going on, he showed up with his mom. Uh, Never met his mom, but that's who I think it is. And he walked in and he paid for three pumpkins. I saw a clear-eyed man that was coherent. And I went over and shook his hand. I said, hey, BJ, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right. Now, he doesn't like me because I'm the guy that always chases him off the property. He likes OA and Steve because they, they've always been able to share comfort with him. But I've had to do my job, and that's what I've been told to do but it's breaking my heart because I can't minister to him. The first thing I did when he walked out that door, I turned to Steve and I turned to Dawn who was there. She's our housekeeping. And I said, we need to pray for him right now because if he's this clear and clean headed, somebody or, some, or somebody is being used by God to help keep him on the straight and narrow. And we prayed for him right there on the spot. And Steve said to me, you know, Mark, I admire that. He said, BJ's been such a thorn in your side, but you just displayed love in a way that I've, I haven't seen. And he, he enjoyed it. And see, that was a divine appointment. I didn't share this in the last one, but this is where I look at that and say, I think that was a victory for me there. 
in a divine appointment, just in an interaction with somebody. See, I would love to be able to sit down with BJ and share Christ with him. He's a man that always wants to drink water from our hydrants, and we've given him permission to do that. I would love to just say, here's a bottle of water. Haven't had the opportunity yet. But I'm just sharing that as a divine appointment. So as we walk away, realize that whether it be at your job site, at your workplace, at home, your grandkids, your kids, think of the divine appointments that we could have continuously. I'd love next year to be able to hear some of those. So I'll close this in a word of prayer. So Lord, I just thank you for such an amazing day. Thank you for the opportunity to be here and share with my church family, to be able to share my heart and be able to share and give our ministry to them. Uh, Lord, we thank you for the foundation that they've given us and the encouragement that we get from them. I just thank you that we have the opportunity to um, share your love and how you've been able to use us as a tool in your ministry. I just ask, Lord, that as we leave here, that this is something that would just burn in our hearts, that divine appointment, that maybe we would just even walk away and say, I wonder where I, wonder where I need to be to be at the right place for that divine appointment. I wonder where what I need to do or who it is that I need to interact with. And that it would be just a burning focus for us this year. Lord, you're such an amazing God, and I look so forward to what you're going to do with this, what you're going to do with us throughout this year, and, and just the way you're working in our lives is doing things that only each individual can do, that nobody else can do, but you're using them as the tool. Lord, we love you. We thank you so much that you loved us first. We pray this in your name. Amen.